two. And that was one second early. All right. Welcome, 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 everybody. Welcome back. A beautiful week. Today, we're talking about grief. Oh, it hits us all unexpectedly, but uh, we're going to learn some ways to deal with it, cope with it. So tune in. This will be a good one. Practicing polyamory, real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right, here we go, ladies and gents. I love it. You're dancing too. That song makes me dance too. I love it. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to this beautiful Monday. A little bit rainy here in San Diego, but I hope it's beautiful and sunny wherever it is that you are. Hope and I hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, before we jump in and chat with our awesome guest, I want to quickly remind everybody to please follow the show wherever it is that you find us on all of our social medias. You can find us at Practicing Poly A everywhere on uh, social media. And if you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever, Please drop a review, leave a star rating or, you know, five, 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 stick with five, stick with five. Okay. Uh, appreciate it. And also, if you want to support the show, uh, I'm your local friendly am, poly am friendly. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I can talk today. Uh, insurance guy. So if you are already spending money on your insurance, why not call somebody who's poly friendly like me? So uh, drop me a message on whatever your social fav uh, favorite social media is. See, I'm flooded my words. Uh, ask me about your malpractice or errors and omissions. And as always, to remind you, if you're listening to the show, you are a welcomed guest to be on the show. If you are actively polyam or polyam curious, or if you're a professional serving the polyamorous community, I want to hear your story. If you are disabled, BIPOC, pan, bi, demi, gay, straight, sex worker, kinkster, queer, lesbian, trans, NB, arrow, ace, whatever it is, you are welcome. We want to hear your story. The more stories we hear, the more the world learns about us, the more representation we have. We all know how important that is. And the better we can serve our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com and sign up today. All right. That's the spiel. Now, the best part of the show. Let's introduce our awesome guest. Today's guest loves. Cooking, cats, music, and psychology. Well, that's a good thing because he's a poly, kink, gender, and LGBT affirming therapist out of New York. He believes in cultivating a safe, non-judgmental space where you can explore the challenges you face and face them with curiosity instead of fear. Our guest's collaborative style is rooted in, here's, here come some big words, psychodynamic, existential humanistic and culturally centered therapies okay not that big and he specializes in helping people who are struggling with grief and loss now grief is a complex thing and it covers a wide range of life experiences such as divorce breakup and death but it also applies to things like graduating from high school or college retirement or loss of a previous identity such as from monogamy to polyamory so Tune in today to hear some tips on dealing with grief and see how building and maintaining a community can really help you grow. Joining us today from My Therapy NYC out of, you guessed it, New York City, welcome to the show, Taylor Mefford. Bet you didn't think you were going to be dancing on the show today, huh? Did not, no. <laughs> 
Man, that's a real banger. I love it. There you go. <laughs> Taylor, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to the program. Um, let's start off with telling me a little bit about yourself. You're here on the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Uh, what, why, why, why choose to be on the Practicing Polyamory podcast? Yeah, so this was an opportunity that um, came up through a listserv, just a professional email chain that I'm part of, um, and I started listening to a handful of the episodes, and I was like, hey, like this is really personally beneficial to me um, as a polyamorous individual, somebody who is in an open marriage of sorts. It's still complicated trying mm -hmm. to figure out the trying to figure out the rules there, but the right terminology. Uh, what's that? The right terminology. Yeah. The right terminology. And yeah. So, um, I found it really personally beneficial. And so I figured, Hey, like there's this, you know, this open call to, um, be part of the, you know, part of the conversation. And I wanted to jump in and contribute how I can because building community and contributing to communities is something I'm really passionate about. Well, tell me a little bit more about that. What is it about building communities that, well, I mean, obviously it's something that we all are looking for, especially here in the polyamorous community. You know, we're, we're online, we're in forums, we have our local events, you know, um, but why is community important to you? Yeah, I, I think that where a lot of that interest developed was comparing what things were like for me growing up to how they were throughout my young adulthood, where I, I grew up in a very conservative religious community and mm -hmm. it there was a lot of pain there, obviously, but, mm -hmm. um, one thing that religious communities do well is the community aspect of things, really being able to rally around a particular shared purpose, um, and be able to help one another towards that purpose. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm no longer religious, but I have found myself really yearning for that. And as I have, mm -hmm tried to reach out to, you know, these communities, um, whether within polyamory or LGBT stuff or cats or, you know, any of this, you know, any of my interests, I'm finding that there are a lot of communities that are existent, but aren't functioning at the capacity that they could be, that they are not able to rally around a particular purpose in the way that, the religious community I grew up in was able mm -hmm. to. And so I, I think about that a lot. I think about the communities that I'm in and what some of the, the growth edges are, you know, the areas where they can grow and be able to better meet the needs of the people within that community. You mentioned not being religious anymore, uh, but there's something that you're still yearning for. And, and it sounded like you were saying it's that community part of yeah. religion, like going to church, you know, and having the, the, the what do you call it? Uh, the congregation, right. Or the fellowship. Uh, I grew up also in, in a uh, religious household. Uh, I also am not religious anymore. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of taking that turn here. Cause you said it and like sparked that, that, uh, that in me, um, I would really love to get 
I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, if anybody can recommend a uh, poly-friendly pastor, spiritual, you know, whatever that's, that's poly-friendly, would love to talk to them and kind of see how we can find balance within these things. Because I, I find that a lot of people in the community if they came from religion are also not religious anymore. It's like religion in general kind of gets tossed out the window a little bit. It's like, it's kind of like it's not allowed or, or it's so contradictory a lot of times. Um, just curious, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Like, ha have you struggled with, with, you know, that, that former identity of religion being, being part of your life? And now just kind of diving into this thing and or just following your own path and, 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 and not, not following religion anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I actually also find it really fascinating that we're headed in this direction because this topic around the intersection of queer identity and religious identity is what launched me into the career that I'm in now. This is something Ooh. that, I was really passionate about, and like you mentioned earlier in the introduction, I focus a lot more on grief right now, and that has been the area that I've been pivoting towards, but it's pivoting from this obsession with religion and queer identity. Um, and what a lot of the research is demonstrating is that you have... A, I refer to it as the box theory. There's different, lots of different terminology out there, but... I think of these identities as being boxes that we carry. And so when you, you know, pop out of the womb and you're in this religious family, you have your one box, your religion mm -hmm. box. And then as you get into puberty, you find out like, hey, I'm not, I'm not cisgender or I'm not heterosexual. I'm not fitting this normative pattern that I thought I was supposed to be fitting. Mm -hmm. And so you pick up this other box and so here you are, you're walking down this path, you've got a box under each arm, that, that's going to get really heavy. And you have to figure out a way to lighten the load or make it manageable. And so some people, they drop one box or the other, and they say, I'm only going to carry the one box. Or they make mm -hmm. one of the boxes smaller than the other and fit them inside each other and then try to carry the two boxes together. And, wow, okay. and so for me, I have found that the easiest way for me to pull it off is to be leaving behind the religion. Mm -hmm. um, I, I struggle with that decision every day. Um, I, I wonder if it's right for me because there is a part of me that very much would love to just go back, but I know that I won't be welcomed with open arms. And so here I am just with my one queer box for now, and that's what I'm going to carry. It's really interesting. I, I feel the same way. Um, in fact, over the weekend, I was just kind of on a walk and I don't know why, you know, these these thoughts. Oh, I do know why, actually. I live right down the street from a church. And so as I was making my way back, uh, church was happening and, you know, all of the church stuff is outside. And so, you know, I hear them and, and I, you know, I hear the, the, the church songs that they're singing, you know, whatever. Um, and then next thing you know, I start hearing somebody preaching and it's the moment that the preaching starts. Like I hear the music and I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of missed that. You know, like that was, that was kind of the fun part. And then I hear, I start to hear the preaching and I'm like, oh, nope, 
that's that's why that's why as soon as that starts it's like i can i can almost hear and feel the condemnation like like everything that so many things about me and uh i i've struggled hard with guilt over my life even mm. when i was religious right i struggled really hard with guilt with the whole um whenever i would curse or drink or smoke or masturbate or whatever you know mm -hmm. it's like all of these things that are that they're sins and like i'm a terrible christian oh, you and, you know, boy. yeah I, yeah exactly exactly so i love this analogy of the boxes because it it really it was it was too heavy to carry all of that it's like you know what drop that box and move forward with the rest of my life and and not even have to hang on to that but that does create a change of identity. Mm -hmm. And so this will bring us into this topic that we've been talking about uh, or that we were that we were leading with of grief. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like there was definitely a period, a time period where I had to grieve the loss of my religion, the loss of, of that part of my identity. Um, any thoughts on that as we are transitioning from one phase of our life to another, we're losing something, right? We're losing a part of ourselves as we embrace something new. Um, what, what are your thoughts on just that subject right there? Yeah, well, I, I find myself getting chills, honestly, just thinking about what your experience must have been like for, you know, taking that religious box and setting it on the ground. And then as you start walking away from it, you're looking back and you're like, man, that was a good box. It was a heavy mm. box, but it was a good box. Yep. And um, maybe the stuff inside the box was not so good. <laughs> right, right. But, <laughs> but the box itself, it was, it was well-constructed. It was pretty. Um, and... The first thing that comes to mind as I think about, you know, merging grief with this analogy is just because you've left behind this one pretty box doesn't mean that the box that you're carrying or the boxes that you may pick up in the future cannot be as as beautiful, as mm -hmm. um, as mesmerizing, as meaningful. Um, so, you know, your queer your queer box I'm sure that, you know, growing up that you were told, okay, this is the ugly box. And mm -hmm. so, you know, cram it inside the, the pretty religious box and keep it nice and hidden, you know, tucked away in the corner. Um, but as you've taken it out, you're, you're trying to figure out how to make it pretty. And that, that process is challenging. It requires a lot of rethinking the way we think about our identities and about the role of identity in self-esteem and in our relationships with others in our community. Um, but that that's kind of how I see the goal of, of recovering from that grieving process is making the ugly beautiful. I can't say anything about that. One of the things that you touched on there was self-esteem because this change of our identity can definitely affect our self-esteem and our self-worth. Um, how do we, how do we find balance in that? Everything that we thought we knew about ourselves is 
changing every if we put down that box we pick up the new one and we have to like reestablish our self-esteem right mm -hmm. yeah yeah they i'm trying to find the words for this um i think the way that i would conceptualize that process is that there are there's a lot of things that are changing but there are also a lot of things that are the same so going along with this topic of um, religious identity and kind of setting that aside and starting to value the queer identity more, it, when you think about your religious upbringing, you are building on this theological knowledge, right? And you are developing a particular relationship with that religious community and with that religious identity throughout your childhood and adolescence and even into adulthood for some people. Um, but so that, that process is happening with the religious stuff already. And so all you're doing is you're just modulating to like shifting that process to something else and saying, you know what, like I am going to engage in this process of learning about myself, of developing a deeper understanding of what it means to be queer rather than what it means to be religious. And like I was saying before, some people, they've managed to figure out how to engage in both of those processes simultaneously. I find myself really jealous of those people. They seem to have a lot, a lot more they got it all figured out, don't they? What's that? I said they, all, they got it all figured out, don't they? Right. <laughs> um, but hey, they're happy with what they're doing, and I'm happy with what I'm doing. And I, I think that that right there is the core of self-esteem, is being able to say, I'm still on the same journey here and I can take power in that knowing that I'm not, I'm not stunted. I'm just moving down a different path. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. <laughs> I might've forgot <laughs> to warn you about the movie clips. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I cannot agree with that more. Um, other types of grief that uh, that we deal with in polyamory. I mean, simple stuff like breakups. Um, in your work, do you see or how do you see that um, polyamorous folks or folks in the polyamorous community, how do you see that we uh, deal with the grief of breakups differently from our monogamous counterparts or Ooh, do we that is a good question and a heavy one um oddly enough this is going to sound kind of counterintuitive and it's something i'm still trying to piece together myself but i see polyamorous people being a lot more isolated in the way that they handle mm. grief and I think that a lot of what um, I, this is, I, I'm totally flying by the seat of my pants here, just coming up with cool. what, I, what I'm thinking is going on. And I'm, I'm thinking of somebody specific as I'm piecing this together. I'm thinking about somebody who recently um, went through a breakup and is polyamorous and they totally shut down, just mm -hmm. cut off friends, family, everybody. And I, I think that it has a lot to do with the fact that polyamorous people are very relationship oriented. Mm -hmm. And so when a relationship is sabotaged, that 
leads them to believe that, hey, okay, well, this one relationship was bad. Um, you know, this one branch of the tree was bad, so I cut it off, but why stop there? The whole tree might be bad. So they end up mm. chopping down the whole relationship tree. That is that is super interesting. Um, the fact that we have these different relationships. I mean, we value each one differently and we value each one for, for what it is. Mm -hmm. But I think that I get what you're saying where it's, it can be difficult sometimes to differentiate. So if one relationship ends, I might think that, you know, one, one relationship, let's say, let's say that I thought was supposed to be forever, right? Which mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of going through right now. Like my, uh, my, my marriage is in the process of ending. It, it will file for oh, divorce. Sorry eventually. To hear that. Uh, thanks. Uh, but you know, that, that's like one of those, that's a relationship that I thought was going to be forever. Mm-hmm. And so now finding out that it's not right. Mm-hmm. I mean, happens in monogamy all the time too, but like, I could potentially start questioning any other relationships in my life and thinking, well, if that one was supposed to last forever and it didn't, then maybe none of them are supposed to last forever. And that's not necessarily a fair comparison. Mm-hmm. Do I kind of have, am I kind of saying the same thing? Yeah. Am I kind of on the right track? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this one person that I'm thinking of, I'm obviously not going to give tons of details, but they are no. also going through their marriage ending and in the process they are cutting off parents they are cutting off other partners they're cutting off me <laughs> like it's it's just this process that they they feel like okay well if i can't be with this person then i can't be with anybody in any mm. capacity and I, I think that it has a lot to do with the fact that we really as polyamorous people we put a lot of stock in the health of those relationships because we have a lot more to juggle certainly. Um, and we put, we put more eggs in that basket than we ought to. And it, it, one of the other analogies that I often use with talking about grief is if you think of a three legged stool and you chop off one of those legs, it's going to suddenly be unstable. Mm -hmm. And so, some people, and I see this a lot with polyamorous people in particular, they say, okay, well, the solution then to keep this stool even is to just cut off all three legs and just have the seat. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I love your analogies. Your analogies are great. This is, this is awesome. I appreciate it. But I mean, obviously that, that's, not, that's not a healthy way to deal with it. No. What, what would be a healthy way to deal with it? Well, it's hard, but leaning into those relationships. So this is um, the the term that's often used in um, the the therapy world is reality testing, where you're you know you're walking around assuming that you have a pretty solid sense of the world, right? And for the most part, your your perceptions do match reality fairly closely. But when, when you're going through grief, your, your perceptions of reality might be a little bit distorted. You might start mm-hmm. thinking like, okay, I'm not, I, I, I can't trust anyone. 
Um, I, you know, I have to grieve alone, especially with the stigma around polyamory. I think that that's also another contributor to people shutting down and becoming more isolated is because we don't want to admit that polyamorous <sighs> relationships are just as flawed. Dude, you are so right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to hear that that resonates because this is <laughs> stuff that I'm like having to feel out with my client who doesn't know what's going on. And yeah. Yeah. yeah no, absolutely. I mean, uh, the fact that, that, that my marriage is ending, you know, it's, it could be so easy for our families to look at us and say, well, of course it didn't work out. You guys are doing this polyamory thing. Like, right. Right. Like that, that's that stigma. Um, man, that, that, that you, you nailed it. You hit, yeah. you hit the nail right on the head there. Um, I guess. And it, so again, this weekend, this weekend was very introspective for me. Uh, mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time uh, in, in my journal just kind of thinking about different things, you know, on that walk and everything. And one of the things that I was thinking about uh, was the topic that we're actually kind of on today. Um, I mean, it is grief of, you know, the loss of all these things. And then mm -hmm. it was exactly what you said. It was leaning into new relationships, leaning into this this chosen family that uh, mm -hmm. that I'm creating that I'm building. Uh, and that talks, you know, that speaks to this other part of our title, which is community, mm -hmm. right? It's, it can absolutely be dangerous. I don't know if that's the word I want to use, but I'll say it dangerous for a person to isolate, like what you're talking about. Instead to reach out to the community and, you know, find support there if somebody is struggling with that what what steps can they take i mean there's the easy nike answer right just do it uh-huh but it's not always that easy what what can, what can i do? analogy let's let's hit it I, I, your, your analogies are fantastic let's do it yeah so i i think of this um as what i call the attention balloon so if you imagine just like a party balloon, right? Um, you know, when you start blowing into it, it's really small. Um, and then you blow more air into it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And we can kind of think of our attention as being that way, that people who are going through grief, the grieving process, their attention balloon is really small. They can really only focus on what's going on for them in internally what's going on in their immediate surroundings and that's if they're lucky sometimes mm -hmm. they're really really shut down but what we can do is we can work to just stretch that balloon just a little bit you know okay so you're having a hard time being in touch with your emotions like let's let's practice some sort of relaxation exercise or let's journal i love that you were mentioning that you journal that is a fantastic mm -hmm. way to be in touch with your emotions and then once you once you really have a grasp on that, then okay, like what are the ways, like who are the people who are closest to me and can I reach out to them? Are they safe enough for me to talk about my breakup or talk about my other, uh, the other grieve, the thing that I'm grieving? Um, and okay, so those people, they're probably going to be the easiest to talk to because we trust them the most. So we practice expanding that attention balloon to see, okay, like, 
can I reach out to them? Can they, you know, can I have this connection with them? And then start to build from there. Like, okay, great. My immediate circle of friends or my family, my chosen family is, um, is on board, but okay. So now I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more stable. Let's see if we can stretch that balloon just a little bit farther. Let's start looking at our, you know, neighborhood or our, just like our, you know, even like our apartment building or something like that. Like, how can I develop connections there? And then just building out. And then at that point, like once you're able to build your attention balloon out that far, then you're doing okay. You're pretty stable and you can start thinking about like, okay, how can I use this grief to fuel compassion for others and to find meaning in life through helping to support others in the way that I have been supported. Dude, it's like you're reading my mind. I, cause as I was going through all of this and, and thinking about, you know, like my purpose and, and, uh, what would make me feel good. And, and this is, this is part of my journaling stuff right here. It's this whole practice thing that I've got going on anyway, awesome. somewhere in there, I was, I was writing about um, a nonprofit foundation that I would love to start that addresses the problem of homelessness. Like that's, you know, Mm. that's something that drives me. And as I'm like jotting these things down and thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, like obviously who can I help today? Like, how can I help people? Cause helping people always makes me feel good. Helping people always makes me feel better. So you're nailing it, man. You're nailing it. Um, what did I forget to ask or what do you wish that I had asked? Free topic, go. Man, I think that we we covered far more ground than I thought we would. I thought we were going to like go along this grief path and really get deep into it until we we're starting to exhaust it. But we, we hit so many fantastic topics. Um, I... I guess I'm finding myself wondering how how online platforms like this one, um, you know, podcasts or whatever, how they can um, help during the pandemic as we're going through grief, and how how we can use these artistic um, these art- artistic outlets to help each other as we are dealing with pandemic-related grief, especially Mm -hmm. as polyamorous people who are so relationship-oriented. But, I mean, hey, we're talking about cutting down the relationship tree. Like, our relationship tree got infected with COVID. So, (laughs) like, trying to figure out how to heal in that way. So, I guess I'm turning the tables on you, and I'm curious what your question – or what your answer to that would be. Like, how does – what is the role of something like this in helping us to heal from – the social impact of COVID. Wow. Okay. Turn it around. Don't, why don't you, um, <laughs> you know, I started this podcast because I wanted to provide a resource. I mean, besides the fact that I've been podcasting every day with my brother for almost three years now, go check out, uh, at business bros pod everywhere on your social media. Um, <laughs> besides that, um, I, I wanted to do something that I would be passionate about. And when I started this podcast, it really was with an idea that people would find something that they would resonate with. You know, Mm -hmm. my idea was let me get people that are polyamorous on the show and 
you know, I, I you never know. It might be somebody who is, uh, you know, black and disabled and queer and, you know, they're on the show and expressing their thoughts and sharing their story. And somebody else who is just listening, who also happens to be disabled, black and queer is like, I see myself there. And I, and I, and I feel that person and I, and I know what they're going through. And I, I want to reach out to that person. I want to connect. That was, that was the, the idea. That was the premise of, of this show. Um, And then, you know, I get to interview you and a bunch of other great therapists and I get free therapy. So, you know, (laughs) don't tell anybody that's coming on later though, because they might not want to give me free therapy after all. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, I I love. There was a particular phrase that you threw in there, which was like, "I can see myself in that other person," or you know, in what they're saying, and that to me is the foundation of community, of healthy community, mm-hmm. I should say. You know, one of the things that makes religious communities as non-functional as they are is the ways in which they turn to other people and say, I can't see myself in you. Like you're, you're too queer. I'm better than Mm. that. I can't see myself in you, but our ability to be able to see ourselves in other people and see other people in ourselves is I think the foundation of what makes a healthy community. Boom. Boom. That was it. Give it a uh, a tan, a tan, tan. Give it a tan. All right, Taylor. Uh, it has been an awesome time uh, chatting with you, getting all of these great analogies. Uh, if someone wanted to work with you, be a patient, whatever, be a client, however you call them, um, what is the best way for them to reach out to you and get in touch? Yeah. So um, you can. Just go to the email address that is currently, or not the email address, the website that is scrolling down at the bottom of the screen here, um, mytherapynyc.com. And there is a way to um, reach out to our practice through there. You can also find me on Psychology Today if you just Google my name, Taylor Mefford. That's M-E-F-F-O-R-D. You'll be able to find me on there and you can shoot me an email or give me a call. Perfect. Perfect. Taylor, again, thank you so much for uh, your time today. Really, really appreciate appreciate you hanging out and uh, just sharing your wisdom. Nailed yeah, it so many times. It was a times. lovely conversation. I, I'm taking a lot away from it as well. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and thank you as always also to our live audience for tuning in today. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same cannot be said for those podcast downloads. But keep downloading them because I get a penny every time you do. Appreciate you. If you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, or sign up for our Patreon where you get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and wherever it is that you download your podcast if you haven't already. And please leave us a review. We'll really, really appreciate it. Thank you again, uh, Taylor, so much. Really appreciate your time. Uh, There it is. Have a nice day! 
Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at 